Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. It's Thursday, October 21st. So where have I been? <laughs> uh, first and foremost, thanks to Heritage Digital for sponsoring the first segment of this podcast. Um, you know, it was one of those life things that happened, um, contrary to popular belief. Uh, and I put something out on the bigspur.com, and I just want to thank everybody that responded in that thread. Uh, really made me feel good about uh, Gamecock fans in general. You know, I mean, we we all kind of are in this thing together with uh, – the teams, watching the teams and the struggles of the past few years. Uh, and so on the message board sometimes and interacting with fans, it gets a little weird. Uh, but I put an explanation up on the site uh, on Tuesday. And uh, what happened was we had to put one of our dogs down. And that's always, for those of you that are dog lovers, pet, cat lovers, pet lovers, whatever, that's always a very difficult time. Okay. Um, and uh you know, I hadn't been through it. Um, I had a dog when I was uh, seven, and then I got Red, who you guys know uh, when I was 35. Uh, this was not Red. This was uh, my girlfriend's dog, Sedona, a beautiful lab, and uh, she had a very aggressive form of cancer and was just suffering, and so it was time to do it. Uh, Laps of Love, a mobile vet, came out and did it yesterday. She went peacefully across the Rainbow Bridge around 3 p.m. Um, yeah, so I'm not, it's one of those things you're not used to, you know, because I didn't have, a, you know, four years or 28 years of having a dog. I didn't have one. And, um, you know, then I got this little guy, Red, and, uh, you know, then Sedona came along two years ago. And uh, it was really tough, really tough, really tough situation, highly emotional yesterday. So you guys can understand that. I'm behind on podcast today. We'll have prediction Friday, tomorrow along with the big Gamecock preview show on JB and Goldwater uh, as we preview South Carolina and what should be a tremendous challenge this weekend against Texas A&M. 
Uh, but one, now that we got that out of the way, uh, just want to talk about um, this is the first you've heard from me since the Vanderbilt game. Uh, you know, you say a win's a win, and it is, and you don't want to lose to Vandy, and the Gamecocks found a way to win it. Uh, and so that's good. They go to four and three, snap the nine game SEC losing streak in the process. Uh, but there's a lot to work on, folks. I mean, and then you get the news this week, earlier this week, Luke Doty is out for the season. His foot got re, I guess, injured. Uh, again, that injury is similar to what Connor Shaw had in 2012. Connor was able to kind of you know, play out the season. But you remember at the end against Clemson and then in the bowl game, Dylan Thompson had to come in twice. And so that's a tough injury, you know, especially when you rely on your legs like um, like uh, Connor Shaw or Luke Doty was doing. Um, Zeb Nolan came, came off the bench against Vandy, five for eight, I think, for 75 yards, went right down the field, scored the winning touchdown. Uh, and, look, I, I want to say this because it's, you know, there's obviously a lot to break down from the game and a lot of things that did not go well, uh, embarrassingly so, I think, for this offense. But um, Zeb Nolan coming in off the bench and finding Xavier Leggett for the touchdown. You know, XL was a guy last year that, you know, was the number two receiver, uh, got better and better, I thought, and then all of a sudden he disappeared and it was one of those undisclosed injury things. Didn't find out he was hurt and out for the season – uh, until my Bobo told us about it in the media uh, availability after he took over as the interim head coach. Um, so it's good to see Xavier get out there, catch a touchdown pass. He caught four passes on the day. Uh, just a really, you know, happy time for him. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, came in sort of as an athlete. He's been learning the receiver position. He's a really good athlete. Um, but you, you sort of didn't hear a lot from him this year. And so you kind of look at it and you're like, well, maybe um, maybe he goes to safety because there was some talk about that. But uh, he's back. Uh, clutch touchdown reception from Zeb Nolan. And Zeb Nolan's now the starting quarterback for the rest of the year, uh, depending on what happens. And that uh, presents some challenges. Um you know, Zeb is not a mobile guy. South Carolina's offensive line continues to underperform, in my opinion. Uh, you know, are they as confused maybe as they were at the beginning of the year? No, but uh, they're still having some issues. Um, as far as staying on blocks, getting the right play, that kind of thing. Now, I'll say this. Old Zeb's drive, Vandy did not send much pressure, if at all. I think they may be – Blitz the linebacker once or twice, but they kept Nolan clean and in the pocket on that drive, thankfully. Uh, and the Gamecocks ended up winning the game. So maybe that's something to build on. I, I think with Zeb, it's a different style of offense in terms of, you know, what you can do with the quarterback's legs. Um, can he move the pocket a little bit? Yeah, I think so. Is he a running threat? No. Um and then on top of that, you, you have White, Lloyd, and Harris, the running backs, all kind of nursing minor injuries. Uh, so there goes the running back situation. Juju McDowell was suspended for the game against Vandy. He's probably – I think he's back this, this week. Don't know why, uh, but that was kind of some news that broke right before kickoff. Uh, 
And so it's going to be a challenge out in College Station. It always is. Gamecocks seem to end up playing these guys. You know, A&M sometimes during a season will go up and down. Uh, Gamecocks tend to catch them when they're at their best, including in the infamous opener of the 2014 season. Kenny Hill looked like a Heisman candidate first game, and he ended up losing his job uh, as time went on. But uh, Carolina's just in terms of where this game – and this game moves around the schedule – uh, it always seems like A&M is, you know, rolling by the time they play the Gamecocks. There's a few exceptions in there when you look at the seven-game history, all A&M wins. Uh, and the last two have not been close. Uh, in 2019, I think it was close going into the one-score game, going in the fourth quarter, um, and they ended up losing 30-6. to six. Last year was the worst home loss, SEC home loss since, gosh – the uh, 63 to seven Spurrier, Florida, windy cold night, 1995. Uh, so it would have been that long since the game guys got blown out like that at home uh, against an SEC opponent. And I, and I think that was kind of the beginning. Uh, that That's when the wheels started, you know, turning in motion to make a change mid-year was after that one. Uh, but back to Vandy, you know, I, I, I thought with Carolina's defense, Vandy got some big plays off. Uh, I think, you know, you, you prepare all week for Ken Seals, who's not a mobile quarterback, and then, boom, he's out. Mike Wright takes over, and Mike is a uh, a mobile quarterback and did some really good things uh, with his legs, uh, had some good instincts, catching the Gamecocks off guard down the field. Darius Rush did not have a good game. Um, and all that adds up. And I, I said last week, you know, when you can't score, you're in jeopardy of losing – just about every time you play, no matter who you play, because when you can't score, you know, the other team inevitably will throw some wrinkle at you or something like that uh, and get enough on the board to where they can win. Vanderbilt almost did that. And that's a, that's a tough one because as we talked all week last week, this Vandy team was not very good and they probably aren't going to be very good moving forward. Um, I do think they're getting better, but you know, that, that that was not a game, especially with the way the game started. I mean, you know, Carolina's up 14-3. They had an 82-yard touchdown pass to Jaheim Bell. Um, again, they go for it on fourth down and don't get it and probably should have kicked the field goal there. Uh, and that sucks because I hate it for Beamer because, <clears throat> you know, I, I think there's nothing – I don't think there's anything wrong with an aggressive mindset. I, I just think that, you know, it, it was sort of like – when Will Muschamp was at Carolina and he, you know, he has an unshakable faith in Parker White, right. You know, and, and kept trying these 50 something yard field goals. Now, now look, Parker can hit it. Don't get me wrong. He's got the leg, but after about the third or fourth time, you sort of just go, well, why not go for it there? Well, the reverse is true here. You know, maybe you should kick the field goal or something like that. But, uh, you know, and I know some of you are starting to get frustrated with Beamer, uh, I would just encourage you to hold up a little bit. You know, Marcus Satterfield and the offense obviously get a lot more criticism. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, just, uh, again, uh, this is a complicated scheme, not ideal for college football. Uh, offensive line, you want to know what the root of their issues are. Uh, it's confusion because these these guys. When you're confused, you play slow. When you're confused, you play like crap. Um, that happens. 
in all sports. You know, you, you don't want to be confused. You want to be ready to roll um, with a good technique and all that. And people say, well, well, what about the technique? Uh, that's an individual breakdown. That's not scheme. Well, no, it's not. But it's a situation where if you're confused, your fundamentals escape you. Uh, that happens. I mean, it, it happens, you know, when you're a little nervous and playing tight. I mean, in sports. I mean, it's just that's just kind of how it is. Um, but, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that. And, you know, the, the Beamer and play calling thing. He came out, Shane had a big defense of the play calling. And, look, man, I, I see where he's coming from because, you know, the, there are a lot of execution issues that uh, have plagued Carolina, you know, mistakes, that kind of thing. But you, you, I think you also have to ask yourself if this is a system that's going to continue to produce mistakes, uh, critical ones, you know, then then what's the root cause? You know, I don't, I don't think there's a bunch of dumb players at Carolina. You know, I, I, they had – you know, had kind of a, I don't want to say complicated offense, but it's definitely one that you have to learn last year. Um, and, you know, I know teams didn't play defense last year, and I know that offense wasn't what I would call good. But I thought, uh, you know, it made sense. This one just doesn't make any sense, in my opinion. I mean, you come out and, you know, go up and down the field, and then all of a sudden something happens, and it's the fourth quarter, and Vandy scored 17 unanswered points, and you're about to go down on your home field. Now, Nolan came in and sort of saved the day. You know, Doty, I, I think that as the game went on and his foot was bothering him, his fundamentals completely escaped him, and, and we, we said it during the offseason. You know, that's, that's the key for Luke is to, you know, get his feet set, plant, fire, you know, you can't let your fundamentals escape you. And it was just, it was just bad. It was bad. Um, and Beamer's got a point about four turnovers. You know, that that's a tough number. You know, if you're going to blow a game at home to Vandy, four turnovers is probably going to help your opponent's calls. But uh, look, like I said, a win's a win. Uh, Carolina, again, could not run the football that well. Uh, you had a Marshawn Lloyd had a fumble that was not good. And I felt bad for him because he seemed to be kind of getting going. Uh, you know, credit Zaquandre White with coming in and getting some tough yardage. I, you know, it's just, it was just one of those things, you know, uh, last week that, you know, whatever could have gone wrong in the game from Doty getting hurt to the offense going into a shell again to, you know, confusion, breakdowns, fumbles, penalties, what do you name it? Uh, it went wrong on Saturday afternoon at Williams Bryce, but you know, you won the game. So there you go. Four and three, five games left. All will be challenges. I don't think the game cause will be favored in any of them starting this weekend. And, uh, you know, we'll see, but I, I would encourage people because there, there's a certain faction out there that uh, I don't know where this comes from. Maybe it's society these days. Maybe it's the age of instant gratification. I I, I don't know. But there, there's a certain segment out there that's ready to just pull the plug on Beaver after seven games uh, where they won four of them. I, I don't think that's wise. Uh, you know, I, I understand the frustration with the offense, uh, but but it's seeping out. I mean, people, people are starting to, like, question the recruiting and – 
I mean, it's way too early for any of that. You know, first of all, you know, South Carolina's put together a pretty solid recruiting class, all things considered. Um, you know, and people, oh, there's no difference makers. Well, there could be. I mean, it's, you know, you just – you don't know. I mean, you know, there are a lot of players that have come through South Carolina that have been uh, three-star players that are that are difference makers. Jaheim Bell comes to mind. Uh, Juju McDowell comes to mind in the last couple of weeks. Kevin Harris, obviously, difference maker. Uh, you know, you, you don't necessarily write a class off by looking at the star ratings. You know, there's good offensive linemen, good defensive linemen. Now, do they need to sign Antonio Williams out of Dutch Fork? Absolutely. That guy could be a big difference maker. You know, would it have been great to get Delp? Absolutely, at tight end. But, you know, Georgia got him, um, and he's a Georgia kid, so that happens. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's just – I think that sometimes when you're struggling on the field, things get magnified. So, you know, things get magnified when a team is not playing well and you have a passionate fan base like South Carolina in the SEC. So this, this, this happens. And, but, but I, I think that it's, I don't know, premature to sit there and just start trashing everything about it and, uh, wanting a head coaching change seven games into a tenure is insane. I think, you know, especially considering the, you know, record is four and three uh, with three lackluster wins over undermanned opponents, but it is four and three. And, and I'll, I'll say this too, you know, there is a lot of good there, you know, from a head coaching standpoint. And I know everybody wants, you know, better offense. That, that's that's fine. But, you know, you look around at the coaches, Chain Beamer's hired uh, outside of a couple maybe. And, you know, it, it, it's a good staff. I mean, it's not – you know, you, you don't just play offense in college football these days. Now, you do have to be able to score. And, I, and I'm with you. And I understand the frustration uh, because, quite frankly, it didn't have to be this way. You know, it didn't have to be – Oh, offense is really hard to learn, and you know we're just going to slog through seven games or whatever, or the season. Uh, because in college, you know, you you, you kind of start over with new players every year, especially with the portal now, and you know, so whoever comes in, new player wise, has to learn it. You know, yeah, I don't know how many guys are going to be back next year. You know, because the extra year for COVID and, you know, there's a lot of roster moves that could be made. And, you know, you, you look at it and you're like, well, if it's this tough to learn now, how the hell are new players supposed to come in and learn it? And you're, Are you going to be in the same situation every year? I don't know. You know, I don't know what the answer is. So uh, I understand that frustration. I, I would just, you know, encourage everybody to compartmentalize a little bit and understand you know, there's a big squeaky wheel, you know, on the on the Gamecocks. <laughs> if the Gamecocks were a big truck or whatever, there's a squeaky wheel. Um, it's not that the whole truck is gone and totaled and beyond uh, repair, I, I don't think. I, I think that, you know, the good far outweighs the bad when you're talking about a head coaching position uh, and, there, and what a head coach does. Now, uh, if they're – is a need for change at the end of the year and Beamer does not make it, then I think certainly he opens himself up to criticism. And, uh, and I think that that's, uh, that's fair. I also want to say this now, look, 
this program and these players that they inherited. Now, you know, I, I think obviously there is more there on offense uh, than what they're playing in score. You know, I, I don't – I think that, you know, it, it it's baffling to look and see that this team can't run the football. Uh, it's baffling to sit there and see, you know, the complexity of the system. Uh, it's baffling to sit there and, you know, hear people on the record talk about how complicated it is. Uh, all that's kind of mind-blowing to me, uh, of course. But, uh, you know, that's different, you know, than uh, evaluating a head coach. And And I know some people are starting to get frustrated with – the positivity in the media from Shane Beamer. And uh, I'll just say this, you know, Shane Beamer has got a job to do, right? And his job right now, when things are obviously not going super duper, uh, is to keep this team together, you know, because these guys, just about all of them, you know, on the roster have, you know, they're left over from the old era uh, and I think there's more talent there than, than what they've shown. And I've been clear about that. I mean, you know, you got, you know, backs like they've got and all these returners on the offensive line and you can't run the ball. There's something systemic wrong with that. But, you know, as far as Beamer's positivity goes, uh, you know, number one, that's just him. Number two, you, you know, you, you don't want this team for the wheels to fall off, you know, Um uh, they're good enough on defense to stay in the game with some of these teams. Uh, Missouri's defensive uh, prowess is not good. Of course, we said the same thing about Vanderbilt. Um, you know, there's an opportunity to just win five, six, seven games if, if they can fix some things or whatever. I think the chances of that dwindle with every bad offensive performance. But, you know, you, you don't – I think when you get in trouble – as a coach and you guys can go look up Brett Bielema and his comments he made about his Illinois players this past week. That's not a good look. Um, you know, you, your job's to hold everything together, you know, and, and that's, I think what Beamer's doing, he's trying not to lose his team and most coaches should be able to do that. I mean, and I know Steve Spurrier coached here and, you know, everybody appreciated his honesty and, press conferences and after games and, uh, but there's only one spur here. I mean, I, uh, I, I think that, you know, you, you can use the media to send messages to your players. Nick Saban does this all the time. That's not always positive from him, but uh, I, I think that continuing to believe uh, it will help, you know, for the rest of this year that this team has not quit yet. I'm sure they're well aware they're a struggling bunch on offense. Uh, I'm sure they're well aware they'd like to score more points. But, you know, I, I think that there's enough positives, you know, to where these guys still think they've got a shot. There's big games coming up. There's games Carolina needs to win. I mean, every team left on the schedule is a team that, hey, you, you go at South Carolina, you know, you want to beat them every time you play uh, for recruiting purposes or otherwise. So I, I, I think that – you know, people that are upset about the super positivity need to kind of reevaluate why, you know, again, everything gets magnified when you're not playing well. Uh, and, and I think you got to be, as a fan, you got to be able to diagnose it a little bit and not, uh, 
not just start jumping in and criticizing things that, that don't need to be criticized right now. Um, and it's a free country. You're free to criticize whatever you want. But, you know, some of the stuff I've seen out there about the recruiting, about the head coach and, and all this, you know, you, you really need to kind of dig in a little bit and all that. And, and I'm certainly not saying things are great. I mean, having the rally like that against Vanderbilt, a Vanderbilt team that's really not that good. Uh, now they're getting better, but they're really not that good. Uh, you know, that's that's brutal, you know, to have to do that on your home field. Uh, could have lost the game. Uh, you know, I, I think – obviously, I think Zach Pickens played one of his best games Saturday, and that's good because, you know, you, again, you sort of hear some criticism of him, and I, I think he's actually played pretty well. He probably needed to get better against the run, and he did against Vandy. Um you know, and 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 so there there were some positives, especially the defense digging deep and pulled them to a field goal late, and that set up the winning drive from Zeb Nolan. But uh, you know, that's kind of the bottom line here. Is just I would be very very careful um, about leveling. Uh, what would I call it? Uh, I would call it undue criticism <laughs> uh, or un. Fair criticism, yeah, against the head coach. Seven games in, you know, people are questioning the hire. They're looking at comparing scores, Louisiana and Coastal, which lost last night to App State. And, you know, I've heard – we've had more threads about Jamie Chadwell on the thebigspur.com than anybody else. And I, you know, I'll tell you, I have respect for what they've done as a program um, at Coastal. I get it. You know, you see that offense, and you're like, yeah, they could do the same thing. Well, maybe they could. Maybe they couldn't. I mean, there's a lot, you know, that that goes into having a successful offense uh, at this level, and it's not just plug and play. You know, you have to have players to do it. You have to have buy-in, that kind of thing. Um, And nothing against Jamie Chadwell. Nothing against Billy Napier, you know. But Gamecocks made the hire they felt was best, and, you know, Shane Beamer had a lot of support for the job. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't think that given all that support that, uh, you know, he deserves this ultra criticism right now uh, as a head football coach. You know, I, I think offense, you want to take that to task, great. But I can tell you that, like, everything else has been really good. Um you don't see it because a lot of people just see 21-20, 23-14, 20-17 against Troy, ECU, and Vanderbilt. But, you know, you, you kind of look and you see some individual players play better. Jalen Foster was a midseason All-American from the Sporting News. Um, you got players playing better on defense. You got players stepping up on offense. Uh, you know, I, that that's the bad part about it is – you know, Josh Vance having a career year, you know, he's getting open and playing ball. Uh, we mentioned Xavier Leggett at the top of the show. You know, Jalen Brooks has been out, unfortunately, with an injury, but uh, he's starting to catch it, knock on wood, consistently. You know, would I like to see EJ Jenkins get the ball a little more? Yes, absolutely. Um, do I think they probably need to design some things, dial them up? Yeah, that – that's what I was told was going to happen. I mean, that, you know, I don't know where those are. Maybe they dialed them up and Doty couldn't hit them or whatever. 
Um, but you know, the, you look around and you see some of these players that you know hadn't been able to play all that well, play good. Now some are not playing as well as maybe they did last year, especially on the offensive line. Um, and that's what's unfortunate about it. But uh, you know, there's a lot of good. Um, and you know, you, you just have to, you know, you have to kind of take the good with the bad and weigh it. Now, look, there's also a crowd out there that says, well, they Vegas said this over under win total, you know, four. They've surpassed that. Yeah, I mean, look, I mentioned 2014 earlier. That over under was nine and a half. They won seven. Uh, other years, it's been around eight. They won 11, you know. Muschamp's second year, I think the win total was like five and a half. It ended up winning nine. You know, those numbers don't always compute. Uh, and I think the problem is, is that, you know, Carolina in 2019, you know, there were some expectations because the defense was supposed to be better. Because you remember the end of 2018, defense was gutted. Um, and there were some expectations, you know, and Carolina's over-under, I think, was five and a half that year, if I'm not mistaken, or five, five and a half. And the Gamecocks ended up winning four. And everybody was kind of outraged when they said five and a half at the beginning of the year. And so, therefore, you know, I think uh, I, I think everybody all of a sudden started saying, oh, well, Vegas was right just because of the, the defiance and then reinforcement of the negative opinion. I just think uh, – you know, 2019's over, folks. <laughs> uh, Vegas was uh, right in a negative way, but they've been wrong in a positive way, too, for the Gamecocks over the years. So I'm not really buying that either. You know, the people that are like, oh, this team's doing just as good as was, as what was expected. There's no players and all that good stuff. I, I just, you know, I, look, just like the defense last year, historically bad defense. Um, players, though. <laughs> Thought they had players, and I think they still do. You know, offense the same this year. Now, look, do they have a bunch of talent like, uh, like, uh, you know, Alabama on offense? No, <laughs> that's not 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 even there. You don't have a bunch of guys that can run like that. But you have more playmakers than um, maybe you did last. In fact, I do think there's more talent on offense there was last year. There's not a receiver putting up the numbers Shy did, but Shy was really good, and Shy um, also was all they had. So <laughs> um, his numbers obviously were good, and you got to credit uh, Mike Bobo for getting the ball to him, getting the ball to Nick Muse. Uh, Nick Muse is back, and he's caught some passes this year, certainly. But, you know, you've got Jaheim Bell. Uh, you got Van. I mentioned Jalen Brooks. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, EJ Jenkins, obviously, you know, let Leggett's come back on. You got all the backs. I mean, I, you know, I just – was this a, a team that was going to go up and down the field on everybody they played? No. Was this a team that should be averaging more than, you know, two or three touchdowns a game on offense? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it all gets back to not being able to run the football. And – even against Vandy, you know, they could not get that going. I mean, in, in the way that uh, they needed to. Um, and there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to everything uh, in terms of trying to get that going. I mean, you know, you look at the Vanderbilt stats. You know, Carolina 
did have 429 yards of total offense. That's kind of a, an explosion, <laughs> I guess, for this team. But they only rushed for 112. You know, you, you put up 153 against Tennessee. You know, these these rushing numbers have, since the first game have been awful. You know, under 100 against East Carolina, Georgia, Kentucky. Uh, scratched out 112 uh, against the Van- Vanderbilt Commodores this weekend. So that's – yeah, you know, that, that's something that has to change. And, you know, it's a scary situation because you're going on the road against A&M at their place, and, you know, running the ball is helpful, especially on the road. And um, it's just um, – it's tough. And a run game would help a quarterback like Zeb Nolan because you start running the ball pretty well. You can play action. That kind of thing can come out. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I You know, I, I tend to think, too, like depending on the level of the injuries – to the running backs, I mean, if a couple of those guys are going to miss, you're almost better off, you know, going to what this offense theoretically, and I say theoretically because I don't, you know, I, I don't really know what exactly the idea is behind the offense other than, oh, I got all these things from the NFL and Joe Brady. But uh, you look at Joe Brady's offense, and, and I'm not talking about the Panthers, uh, you know, go back to LSU and kind of look at what, LSU sort of is doing now. I mean, they, they put in, I guess they put in a counter play and ran all over Florida, which is, you know, you, you, that game's coming up here after they have an open date after AM and the Florida Grantham's defense gives up rushing yards and they were, they figured it out in Baton Rouge and the guy had a career day. Uh, you know, so things can turn, uh, you know, but, but this offense is, you know, maybe it just is what it is. If the backs are banged up, maybe you just go and chuck it. See if Zeb Nolan can will you to a win. Right now, you know, then you get into the whole, can you protect him? No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, what if AM blitzes every play? That kind of thing. So we'll break all that down in the preview and prediction episode tomorrow. Uh, Got to really get to the mailbag here because that is um, obviously – what some of you have been waiting for. Uh, Mailbag, as always, is brought to you by iHelp Consulting. Love iHelp Consulting, and I'll tell you why. As my friend Daniel Owens, he can help your business save money on credit card processing, insurance, telecom, whatever you want without sacrificing quality. But you also may be wondering how it works. It's simple. Call or text Daniel, 843-372-5713. Set up a quick phone call or face-to-face meeting. Daniel will examine where there may be savings and let you know if you're paying things like junk fees or if your rates are too high. And now you say, okay, JC, but how does I help get paid? How do they make money? Consultants sometimes charge way more than they're worth. Well, you may think, for example, if I help saves me three grand, I'm have to pay them four. That's not how they do business. You only pay a percentage of your first year savings. Not only that, if they can't save you money, you don't owe I help a dime. Right now, I help is running a promotion, half off, because they're in such a good mood. Gamecock football's back. Tell Daniel you heard about it right here on the podcast to receive that promotion. So call or text Daniel, 843-372-5713. Give him a shot. That's Daniel Owens of iHelp Consulting, home of the iHelp Consulting Mailbag, sponsor of the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. And the first way to get into the iHelp Consulting Mailbag is to tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. And um, 
lots of those. If you happen to put it in last week at the end, um, just send me another question at, uh, you know, at, at some other time, because I, I don't like to answer the things before Vandy. Uh, and I promise you, I, I, I did not anticipate this happening with the dog. So I was, um, I was planning on getting to them, all that kind of thing, but unfortunately it kept me off. But anyway, we'll, we'll sit here and go, uh, go with, uh, go with, uh, the Twitter at golf Cox. JC, I still don't like some of the play calls. I'm not sure why we don't continue to move the chains and remain on the field to put together drives. No need for the long passes, reverses, and crazy plays. Just move the ball. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. Beamer did mention explosive plays, and they had quite a few of them on Saturday, but that doesn't matter if you can't put points on the board. It's just a stat. And, you know, analytics show that explosive plays are, are uh, useful when it comes to winning or losing. However, uh, you know, you got to put points on the board and uh, I think things break down and Carolina's continuing to throw the football inside of the red zone too. So that's, uh, that's one of the things, you know, uh, golf cost goes on and says, where's the fullback? Never saw it. Didn't either, you know, liked it against Tennessee. And that was a pretty good, they had more rushing yards against the Vols than against uh, Vandy by 21 yards. But uh, didn't see that one this weekend. So it's, it's almost – it's kind of funny that, you know, you see things at work and they just go away. Uh, he says there has to be a decision on OC and O-line coach now. Uh, uh, you know, mid-year changes are like 50-50. Uh, and then everybody's going to point to different things, you know, uh, about it. You know, a lot of people would like to see a change now, uh, but but those get end up they they end up getting tough because then it's like, well, you know, you got this big jumbly mess on offense, and you know, you, your offensive coordinator is sitting there, and he's the one that kind of came up with it, you know, so he's probably unfortunately the most qualified to call the plays, and you know, if you change, you may have you may go backward from what little you've got. Uh, then again, I've seen it happen and work out well. You know, I've uh, at Carolina, Clemson, other places. You know, I, I saw at Carolina Spurrier change defensive play callers in the middle of 05, and that helped to turn the season around. That and the emergence of Sidney Rice is one of the best receivers in the country. And then, you know, we saw it at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley getting rid of Mike Stoops. And then bringing in Ruffin McNeil, and that 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 defense out there didn't really get better. Uh, so that that wasn't really something that worked. But you know, Clemson during the uh, transition year between Bowden and Dabo Swinney, first thing Dabo Swinney did was fire offensive coordinator Rob Spence and let Napier take over the play calls. And you know, they ended up eking out a four and three record and getting to the Gator Bowl. And of course, we all remember the game against Carolina. We don't need to talk about that again. Um, so there we go. Uh, Golfcock says, and this was before the Doty injury. I guess this came in before it was announced. Should Zeb start moving forward? Yes. Uh, he's going to have to. Question, though, were the pass plays called for Zeb the same as Doty, though, like a different team? Well, there's a couple of things you have to keep in mind, Golfcox, about, uh, about that. Number one, Vanderbilt was in a prevent defense 
that uh, and they didn't they didn't rush. There was no pass rush. Now the offensive line did block well. I thought on that last drive, they, they seemed determined. So you know, uh, when Zeb gets protection, you know he can execute. I mean that's uh, that's kind of the deal. And you know we haven't seen Zeb since the beginning of the Georgia game. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, he kind of was getting, I mean, I I don't know that, that Georgia game and Beamer mentioned this this week about how the game guys went right down the field. He had a 61 yard pass, beautiful pass to Josh Van, but you know, there was nothing that really, you know, and then that was game three. There was nothing that really gave you a lot of confidence about Zeb Nolan in the East Carolina game, other than, you know, Gamecock started running uh, outside at the end and went down the field and won it. But, uh, and he had a great touchdown pass to Joyner, but um, kind of similar looking play, huh, than, to the Vandy game. But, you know, there's nothing that inspired a lot of confidence there. That said, you know, he, he was a lot more accurate on the last drive uh, Saturday night than maybe he's been in the past. And, you know, he got protection and receivers called it. And, you know, that's important. So I'm not, you know, I, look, I'm not, you know, I, I, I think Doty, when you watch the Vandy game, Do- something happened in that game with his foot. I mean, that that's documented on the record. Uh, and, and, you know, he just, he fell apart. I mean, it wasn't, he, he looked like he was really struggling physically, mentally, you name it. Uh, and so even if he would have been able to come back, Maybe you do go with Zeb. I don't know. I think that, uh, you know, Jason Brown now is the number two guy. uh, And there is a segment of fans that likes what he saw, likes what they saw uh, in the the, uh, spring game from him, or maybe at St. Francis. So, and uh, and that's that. So, you know, we'll see, uh, see what happens with Zeb this weekend. I, you know, as encouraged as I would like to be about the final drive and Zeb hitting those passes, it's just a different animal when you're when you're playing the teams you're going to play. And in terms of them bringing pressure, you got Mike Elko, Todd Grantham coming up, Derek Mason as a D coordinator, uh, Brent Venables. I mean, those guys send pressure, and that's going to be a big issue. You know, because you you can, you know, if you can't run the ball and then you're trying to sling it and you, they are in your face the whole night, it's going to be a long option. All right, Josh says, per Beamer, Doty's foot was bothering him. I know the backup quarterback's always the most popular player. And would it be done to want to stop Zeb because of one good drive? But if Doty's foot is causing him to play, then he needs to sit and Zeb needs to start. I'd pick 100% healthy Doty over Zeb any day, but either this injury or this offensive scheme is keeping him from being the player it could be. Personally, I believe it's the latter. Who knows? I, I think it's both. I, I think it's a lot of both. Um, you know, because there are obviously some things that, uh, you know, could be, I mean, that are on him, on, on Doty. So there you go. 
All right, Dylan says, JC, is this the end of the Doty era in Columbia or the staff ride it out since he's young? Seems like weeks ago we all couldn't stand Zeb playing. Are Brown is Brown or Gothier in the mix? No, not right now, not to start. Uh, is Mangus actually an option at OC? Also, could you tweet a photo of Red? I'll tweet a photo of Red. Um, uh, just to clarify, Red is alive and kicking. You probably heard him growling a little bit today. Uh, it was the other dog that we had to put down. Uh, as far as Mangus goes, yeah, I know he'd like to get back in the college game. Uh, I like GA a lot. Uh, he filled in uh, during my segment on JB and Goldwater. It was pretty good. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I've got a, I got a lot of respect for GA Mangus and all that. I, I don't know if he would be an option or not at OC. I like his offense. I do, but uh, I don't know. Uh, as far as Doty goes, no, absolutely not. I think that it's premature to say, you know, this is it for him. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that a lot of people, you know, you don't do that to a guy that's in his second year <laughs> that basically didn't play a whole lot last year that has has done some good things this season. Um, you know, you, you don't just write him off. I mean, nobody should ever do that. Um now, Gamecocks will have some decisions to make as far as the transfer portal goes and things like that, depending on who's available. Uh, could they go get – I think they'll probably go get a quarterback, just to be honest, um, you know, and go from there. Uh, so does that mean Doty's going to be the starter next year without a doubt? No, I can't say that right now. can't say that right now. Just, you know. Also, if they continue to run this offense, that you know, it's going to take probably take him a while. I mean, I just to be honest, to to get to where he really needs to be in it, and you know, so that's you know, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. But I, you know, is this the end of Doty? No. Can I? Am I going to go ahead and call it and say he's going to be the starter next year? No. Um, there's just a lot of questions, you know, it kind of just depends on a lot of things. Joe's force caller says, how can we realistically improve the offensive line play for the rest of the year? Simplify protections. Thanks for the podcast, especially since I live out of state, you know, I, I'd do it. I'd, I'd say, all right, we're just going to base block this, this team or whatever, uh, and try to run the ball, put a hat on a hat and let's go mono and mono and get it done. Um, but I don't know if they're going to do that or not. Uh, and that's one of the most unfortunate things. You know, a lot of people are critical of Greg Atkins. I get it. The offensive line's bad, much worse than it was expected, worse than last year. I don't care what any – some of these some of these folks out here are like, ah, offensive line was bad last year. No, it wasn't. I don't know what team you're watching or if you, you're just like, you know, only remembering like, the games where teams kind of loaded the box and said, we're not like Kevin Harris beat us and do whatever. Or if you're, you know, putting every one of the sacks Colin Hill had on, on the offensive line, you know, and some, some were on the offensive line. Some were on Colin Hill. Some were on backs, not blocking uh, last season. There's a lot of reasons why the pass pro was not great last year, but um, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I, 
it's baffling to me. You know, four four guys back that were starters, plus Turnitin, plus uh, I thought Tyshawn Wanamaker actually looked pretty good at right tackle. What with Dylan Wanham being out, um, Wanham has not played as well this year, um, and really has not taken that big step forward that you'd like to see uh, from his freshman year. So. You know, I don't know. You know, Wanamaker, I thought, looked pretty good. You know, you have uh, other younger players. I, you know, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably, at this point, you know, I was talking to somebody, you know, we, we didn't hear a lot about Eric Douglas last year. And, you know, he did a pretty good job, I think, snapping the ball and all that. But he has more responsibilities this year. And, and what I was told, and I didn't really, I didn't realize this because I was, yeah, I just kind of figured, hey, we hadn't heard a lot about him. He's not missing blocks. He's in there. It's it's you know, it's like one of those things you just don't worry about, right? The the center uh, when the snaps are good and all that. But apparently, you know, there was a lot they had to work around last year with him. Um, so maybe maybe there needs to be a change at center. Vinny Murphy, uh, dare I say, Hank Manos, but uh, maybe Vinny Murphy needs to be the center. And that's nothing against Eric Douglas, but he is getting individually whipped up front. And we have seen Vershawn Lee go in and play better uh, than maybe the person he replaced. We've seen Wanamaker get in there and play well. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's time to, to to look at the center position. I don't know. I don't even know if Vinnie Murphy's been repping at center. I know he's been playing guard. So we'll see sort of what happens. But, you know, realistically – I just keep simplifying and trying to find something that works. I mean, it's just, you know, it it it, it breaks down your entire – I mean, you, you can even have good play – I mean, you know, good play calling. And if you don't have a good offensive line, it's not going to look good. You know, because you don't, you don't even know what they're trying to get off. But um, I do think each, each and every one of these guys can play better. Uh, and so we'll see. But I, I just keep simplifying. Thomas says hey jc with the stadium renovations i saw something about leds is that going to be similar to georgia where it turns the stadium garnet just curious sorry for the boring question that's not that boring uh yeah it's my understanding it's just like alabama and georgia have a lot of schools have those now uh really kind of cool for the home field atmosphere and you know it was announced this week they're going to continue to do upgrades to williams bryce stadium along and along. And uh, I think that's smart. You know, I know the, we hate Ray Tanner brigade will not be happy until he's gone with anything that they do from an athletic department standpoint. But, uh, and that group is growing by the way, it seems, but uh, yeah, that's a good deal. They're also going to expand the West concourse a little bit and people can breathe. I mean, it's been, it's been kind of a mess this year uh, with concessions and stuff. Uh, just because they can't find enough workers, which everybody's having problems finding workers. And, you know, it's just uh, I get the frustration. However, I, you know, I, I think that you kind of have to look at, you know, are they moving forward with things and all that? So that's good. Uh, Phil says thoughts and prayers. You mourn Sedona. Thank you, Phil. Uh Good. 72 hours. It's good. Um, and I'm back, Phil. 
Spotify keeps giving you an announcement that you dropped a new podcast. Have not going to right now. Nah, I said uh, he's putting down his dog. Going to take the week off now. Uh, Gamecock Pastor says that I missed the memo about the podcast. Now, hang on. Continuing on. Uh, infamous Mr. H.A., Mr. Ha. Hey, J.C., do we expect to see Zeb play a little better at quarterback since he's been getting backup reps in practice the last three or four weeks? I don't know. I mean, I, I think that what you saw Saturday was Zeb is able to make the throws when he's got time. But I'd have to see him. Um, I'd see him under pressure to say that. I, I would anticipate though, because all right. So the offensive line to me is still confused. But I would anticipate them being a little bit. I mean, because against East Carolina, if you remember, there were guys blocking when they should run block and pass block. I mean, it was a dumpster fire. Has been getting a little better for, as far as that goes. So. Maybe the protection will hold up. I, that's a big maybe against this bunch this weekend. Very talented Texas A&M team. Great defensive coordinator, Mike Elko. Gamecocks have not scored a touchdown against A&M since 2018. So, you know, here we go. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I would hope so. And I think Zeb can run the offense and all that good stuff. I just, you know, is he going to have time? And that's the whole question about it. Is he going to have the time uh, to sit back there, be calm, cool, collected in the pocket, and make make the make the throws like he did Saturday? Isaiah says, "JC, hope you're doing well. Just want to come and see, come in here and say I've seen enough for the penalties, the lack of offense. We look horrible offensively. On the other hand, our defense is playing their hearts out, keeping us in the game. I've never been negative on the mailbag, but today is the day." And I'm sure you're upset too, LOL. I don't know. You know, like I tweeted during the game, and I shouldn't do that because, you know, there's always a lot of, a lot at stake for me personally from a business standpoint when the Gamecocks play. Um, and, you know, I made a tweet. They had a bad offensive – worst offensive coordinator in the country. Uh, I deleted that not because I'm running from that opinion. I think worst in the country may be a little harsh, but you know, wh- what's it going to solve? Put it on Twitter. I mean, you guys are my audience here on the podcast, and then I have paying members on the Big Spur that pay me for you know the opinions and the, the takes and the analysis. And so, so I, I deleted it off Twitter, just kind of in a bad mood. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't happy with it, I, you know, I, and I've been saying that for weeks. And you know, the, the thing is, against Troy and Vandy both at home, things have started so well, and then just all hell breaks loose, and it's awful. You know, against Tennessee, obviously, it didn't start all that well. So, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I thought against Georgia, they started well, you know, on the road. Uh, so we'll see, you know, we'll see, but yeah. I know you are upset, Isaiah, and he's like, I'm ready for basketball season to hurry up and get here. Can't wait to cheer on Frank Martin and the GOAT, Don Staley. Yeah, Don Staley, a new contract, $3 million a year, South Carolina. Um, worth every penny, I believe. Uh, a big statement, I think, by the university uh, saying that, uh, you know, we're going to support our most successful program. And, you know, Frank's got a lot, a lot of new players this year, concerned about the schedule. 
but when you're concerned about the non-conference schedule, that also means you're going to have a lot of opportunity uh, to try to make things happen. So I am looking forward to basketball season as well. You know, the last couple of years, you know, 18 and 13 and 2020 before COVID took the season down, team was probably NIT bound, you know, and then last year was just a disaster. Um, and there was almost a change and then there wasn't. And so, you know, Frank Martin's in year 10 with one NCAA tournament. That was a big one. The final four is a big one. Uh, and he's got a new team, a lot of new faces. Usually when that happens, you know, it, it's, it takes him a while to kind of get used to his style of defense and things like that. Um, but this is also – there's also a lot of transfers. Now, transfers have taken some time too. Um, but, you know, looking at the schedule, I mean, you got Georgetown, you got Florida State, you got Clemson, you got a road game at Coastal Carolina. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on with that schedule. Now, the good news is the Gamecocks only leave the state of South Carolina once. Um, and that's up in the, uh, the Asheville tournament that I think, I think it starts the season. Uh, Gamecocks, I think, will play Western Kentucky and Minnesota in that one. Um, so the furthest road trip until the SEC uh, play starts is in Asheville. They play in Rock Hill against Winthrop. They play in Myrtle Beach against Coastal or Conway. Uh, and then up at Clemson. So, and, and I thought after the final four year, you know, and part of this was because, you know, the Gamecocks had played in Greenville against Clemson the year before because Clemson's arena was being renovated and they won a lot of good fans there, really good atmosphere. And then of course the NCAA tournament, you know, they, they beat Marquette and Duke uh, right there in Greenville. And so I started kind of thinking, I was like, well, you know, it's, it's been kind of hard to sell out the Colonial Life Arena and get a bunch of fans there uh, through no fault, uh, I think, of, of of the Gamecock fans. When you look at the numbers, you know, there's enough people in the stands to fill up most arenas in the SEC every game. Uh, it's just a big arena, 18,000 seats. And so – you know, I, I kind of had this idea and I wrote about it at the time. The game should play some neutral, neutral side games around the state because, you know, fans in Rock Hill, a lot of Gamecocks up there. Hey, we don't have to go but a couple blocks and get to see them play a top 10 team. I think Florida State will be a top 10 team. Not sure. I haven't looked at the ranking. So if I'm talking about that, I apologize. And then, you know, going to Coastal and playing is good. Going to Asheville and playing is kind of a regional approach to it. Um, so I don't mind it. You know, I think people gripe about neutral site games sometimes uh, in all sports, but uh, basketball, men's basketball this year, I don't mind it at all. Uh, I think it's actually good, you know, to go play other spots and you don't have to go that far from home. So thanks, Isaiah. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I, I, I understand your pain. Dale. Sends it right in after the Vandy game. Zeb Nolan's my hero. He came in and saved us from losing to Vandy. This game should have never been close. I need to hear your insight on what went so wrong. Why can't we play offense? Why do we have to rely so heavily on our defense to win games? Is Satterfield the issue? Please tell me there is light at the end of the tunnel. I don't need any more gray hairs. Dale, uh, I think this I think this offense is too complicated for college. Uh, I think that the actual – 
play designs, like like if you're watching film, right, and you look at the play designs and say, oh, okay, this is this is good here, this is good there. I think it's fine. There, there's no rhyme, reason, or rhythm. The three R's uh, in terms of the play calling, and then there's things they get to that work. They don't go back to. There's you know a tendency to throw short of the chains. There's you know there's issues with receivers in the same spot. There was issues with uh, there. There's a lot of issues you know that that aren't necessarily reflective of talent with this group. Uh, and, and, and so is there light at the end of the tunnel? I don't know. You know, like I said, I've been critical of Marcus Satterfield. Uh, I, my opinion has not changed. If the Gamecocks, the last five games start going up and down the field and, you know, moving it and scoring and things are a little more crisp, then I will still have concerns because you got new players next year getting dumped into the system, assuming he comes back. But, you know, and there's a lot of other things, too, that you pick up here and there that have led me to that decision. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about light at the end of the tunnel. I think that, you know, this offseason, when they get there, there's probably going to be, you know, bowl or no bowl or whatever, some some things that have to be resolved uh, with the staff. You know, winning cures all, though. So, you know, <laughs> the game – I've seen stranger things happen than a team – all of a sudden the light comes on and it happens. So I think that that's what you do is you hope for the best. Um, and then you evaluate it as time goes on. And, you know, when it all is said and done, you sort of kind of uh, look and see what is being done during the off season to fix it. And uh, we'll sort of see what happens, but starts this Saturday. So we'll see. Drew says, J.C. Beamer discusses how proud he is of this team a lot and how he wouldn't trade this team for anyone else. Well, I believe this is legitimate in the same sentence. He discusses we need to recruit better. Muschamp did this also. In post-game interviews, I usually don't hear coaches like Lane Kiffin, Saban, Pittman, Mullen using the we need to recruit to win tagline. I don't follow them as closely, so I'm sure they discuss it, but maybe not as often. I haven't heard Beamer mention recruiting a whole lot. You know, I, you know, again, go the Brett Malima thing. I mean, he, he just went off on his players. Uh, how do, how does a player on the team react psychologically when they hear how much they are loved and then here we need to recruit better to get where we need to be. The assumption by that statement is to be where I want this program to be. You aren't good enough. It's also a business. So I'm assuming that they understand the reality of that statement, but when love and brotherhood is such a big deal, does it seem hollow? No, I, I don't, I don't know that necessarily Beamer's pointing out, you know, individual players on this team. I mean, you know, South Carolina, and, and again, I think that the talent is better than they've shown on offense. Uh, I completely reject the notion that this is some massive rebuild on that side of the ball. I, I just don't. I mean, I, you know, it, it, should it be a world-beating offense? No. Uh, should it be better than what it is? Absolutely. Um, and there's no question about it. Uh, and I, I've seen too many coaches come into situations and take over a, a, an okay deal, not a great deal. And then instead of trying to figure out how to make that work, and I'm not talking about Shane Beamer. I'm talking about Marcus Satterfield here. They just like make it worse. 
because it's all about what they want to do, uh, especially on offense, maybe on defense as well. So, I, and I don't think I don't think Beamer's point. I mean, obviously they need depth at quarterback. Obviously they need. Uh, I guess some people could say they need offensive linemen. I don't necessarily think the numbers and players there are bad. Um, they need game-breaking receivers. You know, they need guy, more guys that can make plays vertical passing game-wise. Um, you look and see how many defensive backs they have signed. Obviously, that's a, a need uh, in terms of talent because, you know, Jalen Dickerson's been banged up again. And, you know, you, you kind of look, safeties are playing a lot of ball back there. Uh, you need more linebackers. You need more edge rushers. I mean, so I, I don't necessarily think he was taking a shot at, at the current players on the team. Um, I, I think a lot of people talk about recruiting. Uh, Muschamp said this, but Steve Spurrier did also. Uh, you, you remember his uh, comment after the Auburn game they lost on Thursday night. Auburn was second in the country about we were just one edge rusher away from winning it, and that was directed to Cliff Matthews. Um, and he talked about recruiting a lot. And and Kiffin and Saban and Pittman and Mullen all talk about that. It's just in different ways. Um, so, anyway, Drew, I hope that cleared that up. Michael says, good morning, JC. I'm glad we won and not someone who ever downplays a win or tries to overreact with performance and coaching. But I'm at the point that, Satterfield should be relieved of his play calling duties immediately. I realized there were some things Saturday that weren't on him, uh, or at least in terms of actual call, like the turnovers, especially the fumble by Bell inside the 20. That's hard to watch. I would make Steph and Kimry co-coordinators for the rest of the season. I know it's on the high school level, but Kimry at least called plays before. And when it comes to play calling, you either have it or you don't. I got you there. Some people seem to have it, and then they don't, too. <laughs> I remember Brian McClendon. Started out really well. Teams kind of figured out oh, this is what they like to do and started adjusting. And that was it. The reason why I think it needs to be done now is the same reason uh, you break the red shirt for Jake his freshman year, and that's to maximize this season. We're probably going to struggle for Zane and regardless, but doing this now sets up better for the rest of the season when there are winnable games left. Beamer's made a lot of good moves, especially with the culture. But where he has lost me to a small degree is the way he's handled Doty publicly in terms of the injury, especially saying he's not going to play a player if not healthy. Well, th th this this quote's kind of all right, taken on a life of its own. All right, and and you can parse words and stuff, but I think what he meant by that was he said he, the, the the quote was a hundred percent okay, and. What he meant by that was 100% ready, I think, rather than 85 or 90. Uh, and a lot of coaches these days, coaches don't talk about injuries. I mean, Vanderbilt's coach, you didn't know that Seals was hurt, did you? You know, I mean, and so, you know, I think there is some gamesmanship with that. I think that there is, you know, uh, some misinterpretation as far as, like, what he said. Um, and I would never, ever, 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 ever say uh, accuse a coach of playing a player that wasn't healthy um, or healthy enough to play. You just don't do that. Uh, it's, your, it's, it's the call of your medical staff and student athlete. It's never the head coach that steps in and says, man, you need to be able to play. Yeah, it just doesn't happen in college football these days. And believe me, if it did, there would be some serious issues. 
Uh, so there we go. Uh, and and I and I, I get it. You know, after going through the Muschamp era, Beamer comes in. He's such a breath of fresh air when he when he talks about things, and you know, honestly, and 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 disclose. But then you get to the injury report, and it's not always like out front and center. But I, I, I you know, I think a lot of coaches are very coy about injuries these days. The difference is. At other schools, you may not notice it because you're winning and, and, and winning and looking good doing it. Uh, Game Pass are winning, they're four and three, but uh, haven't looked good doing it. So that's probably it. He says, to me, it's pretty obvious Doty is maybe at 70%. As the game went on Saturday against Vandy, I agree with you. I have nothing but respect for Doty trying to play through it. He probably needs to get shut down and do surgery if that's how it gets fixed. Well, yeah, you got your list. I mean, you got your wish there, Michael. That probably came in later. Hudson says, what's up, JC? Not a good look this past weekend. Agreed. Glad the Gamecocks were able to pull out a win, but even with the win, things look bleak offensively. My question for today is, have you heard where the team morale is at this point in the season? Are they showing signs of frustration? Or do you feel like they're maintaining positive energy? Coach Beamer and staff have worked to build. Thanks for all the hard work, JC, and go Cox. Hudson, I, you know, I, I think that's part of the reason some people are, I don't know, uh, a little frustrated with Beamer's comments. And I think that's completely overblown. Um, I think it's a misery loves company thing. And people want their coach to be down in the dumps just like they are. Maybe they just miss Steve Spurrier and his brutal honesty. Or, or I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I, I, I'll be damned if I need to sit here and get upset about something somebody says in the press conference. These days, you know, the secret is out about the media and sort of your PR and the face you put on it and stuff like that. And they're, they're much less about gathering information. And there's some information gathering that takes place there. And it's more of a, I don't know, a PR deal, you know, what message do you want to put out messaging that kind of thing? And to your point about team morale, that's exactly what Beamer is trying to do. You know, cause you could sit there and why, why would you want to turn a win uh, into a loss? You know, yes, it was ugly. No, it should not have happened, but it was a win, you know? So, so what does that tell your players? Oh, you won the game. That's very important, but we suck so bad and it's awful. And, you know, that doesn't that doesn't help your chances at all. Now, look, chances of victory against Texas A&M slim. Um, but you have no chance if your team's slouching, not ready to go play, and not happy and depressed. <laughs> you know, I mean, these are college kids. And, uh, you know, whoever said earlier, it's more – like a business than it was absolutely but uh i uh you know i i don't you know because i sort of know the method to the madness there uh i understand why beamer's being super positive because like i said th this is a team as a program that has been through a ton you know go back to the north carolina game in 20 i actually go back to the florida game in 2018 a lot of these guys were on that team you know, you go back and you look at it. And, you know, since that point, 
a lot of bads happened. They lost their coach, interim situation, COVID, you know, summer of 2020, uh, new coach, uh, things are, you know, the fans have not been, you know, overly pleased the whole year since the East Carolina game. You know, you, these guys have been through a lot. And a lot of times football teams, they start to get down and the losses pile up and the bad performances pile up and they just quit. They don't want any anymore. And uh, that can happen. So that's what Beamer's trying to avoid happening. Hudson. Uh, and that goes for everybody out there. That's why I said, you know, let's let's not uh, overreact to Shane Beamer's positivity uh, because I don't know that that message is meant necessarily for the fan base or media. I think it's probably more meant for his players. I help consulting mailbag rolls on Eric. JC, hope all is well as at the game Saturday and honestly thought with well, the way game started on offense, we we're going to win that one pretty easily, but that wasn't the case. I'm just glad we won. I'll have to admit, though, while the play calling still wasn't great, especially in the run game, I feel like Satterfield's passing concepts are actually pretty good. Yeah, they're Joe Brady's passing concepts, so um, I'm not surprised. I know there are many other issues with the offense that are on sat, but there are receivers open for most of the game if you don't have turnovers and Doty didn't miss some throws. The offense would have put up a decent amount of points. Yeah, I mean, people have to realize every play is designed to score. I mean, you know, you just got to hit the guys. And more importantly, your players have to be comfortable doing what you're doing. You know, you can dial up a great design play and guys aren't comfortable. They're not going to be able to do it. Uh, I still think a change needs to be made because of all the other things, bad run scheme, complicated protections, play calling not so much, the actual plays. We just really wanted to put out See what your sources were saying about the passing concepts and get your thoughts. Haven't said much about them. Um, all I've been told along those lines is that Satterfield's a really smart guy. Chalkboard, you know, it all sounds good. So I get the frustration with the offense. It's deserved, but many don't want to seem to give Beamer credit for the improvements on defense, special teams, conditioning, culture. Everyone loves to say, oh, if we'd hired Chadwell or whoever else, the offense would be better. But even if that were true, nobody knows that the things that have improved under Beamer would be as good as they currently are under someone else. We would most likely be sitting at four and three if we're being honest. Maybe. You know, I maybe five and two. I don't know. <laughs> but but then you got to take the good with the bad. So, so you have a 16 to 10 loss to Kentucky in there. Would you have held them, forced the turnovers? You know, would they have won by more? I, mean, I don't know. You know, you can play the what-if game all day long. However we arrived there just probably looks different. Yep, should have read that before I answered you. Sometimes I read these and I don't, I don't pre-read them. I say all that to say I think he just needs to be given a chance to fix what needs to be fixed. Beamer, absolutely. I mean, you know, jumping off the base, seven games into a tenure, you know, to me, is ridiculous. I mean, it's – this program is never going to ever get back to where it once was um, without its fans, loyal fans, supporting it. And I understand it's been a very rough six or seven years. 
And I think back to the summer of 2014, before the first time Carolina played these guys, A&M. Carolina's in the top 10. Kenny Chesney's making a movie about Steve Spurrier. Gamecocks are 11.5-point favorites. They get the very first game on the SEC network. And A&M beats them 40-52-28. That year's kind of a weird year with no defense. The next year, Spurrier's gone. The next year, Muschamp's in. It's not a super popular hire, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then Beamer takes over and everybody, you know, everybody. Some people, a very small portion of the fan base wants to fire him after seven games. It's not going to work. <laughs> I've seen too many things work after a start that was maybe less than stellar to say, no, it's not going to work. I've seen, I've seen it work. You know, I, I've seen teams get off to a, a tough start and all that good stuff, and then all of a sudden it starts working and clicking and everybody's happy. You know, now, do I think that's going to be the case with the offense? I'd be lying if I said, oh, no, they're going to start going up and down the field. I, I hope they do. That'd be great. But, um, yeah, Beamer deserves a chance. Look, I, I don't know of a single head coach that first year into a coaching tenure in a school – is like, man, I knocked it out of the park with my staff, you know, across the board, 100%. It, it just is usually one or two guys. That, oh, we probably need to make a change here. Um, and you, you can think back, you know, to the Muschamp era after the first year. You can go back to – really, Muschamp, I think everybody came back second year. After the second or third year, started making some changes – Ah, uh, second year. He, he got rid of Roper. Um, and maybe, I don't know. I don't know if he would have done it after 2016 or not, but made the change. You know, Steve Spurrier made changes after his first year. John Thompson left. Uh, Marjorie Hill was fired uh, immediately. And, uh, you know, Spurrier changed it up. Lou Holtz, I think, was the closest to really knocking it out of the park that, you know, Lou got here and brought his son who brought Fitch and Kosh and the Guglielmo. Uh, and Dave Roberts was a veteran South Carolina native. Gutenkunst was a former head coach and D coordinator. Uh, and then you had Charlie Strong they brought in. I mean, it, it Lou and Skip both put that thing together. And I mean, and that was probably the best right out of the gate staff they had. And they were 0 and 11. So <laughs> first year, but then they turned it around. Um, and so, look, this this happens. It's unfortunate, but, you know, you got to give the head coach a chance to fix the issues. That, that's what a head coach does. If there's issues, he fixes them. And he's fixed so much between last year and this year. I mean, look, man, morale was not high around the program after the transition. You know, these guys, you worried, and I've been pretty firm and clear about talent level, but you can have talent level, and and if you don't have confidence and you don't know how to go win games and you're not positive, I mean, you're not going to get very far. I mean, talent aside, uh, and that's just how it is. I mean, you know, especially with kids in college these days. So, you know, I I, I don't – there's no planet where I'm going to sit here and question 
the Shane Beamer hire after seven games or even after this season and probably well into next. I just – I think anytime you take over a situation, no matter what you're left, there has to be some time given and time allotted um, to see what you can do. So, you know, you, you don't just judge it within one year. And, you know, look, man, those of you that want him – want Shane Beamer gone – think about this for a minute, you know, you look up the road at Tennessee and I know everybody's going to just automatically say, well, they've beaten us three years in a row and it wasn't close this year. And they got a coach. And yeah. You know, that's true. Um, and they're better than I expected them to be this year, especially on offense. But uh, that coaching transition, constant coaching transition, that's, that's affected their entire organization. You cannot have, that kind of constant change and reinventing the wheel um, anywhere uh, and expect to be successful, uh, in my opinion. And, and not, I'm not saying that, you know, you need to go through four or five years of four and eight records before, you know, it'll turn under Beamer. I'm saying he deserves a chance. I mean, you know, it's just uh, – it's one of those things where you, you got to give him a shot. See what uh, you know. See what he fixes. If things click, whatever. So thank you, Eric. Yeah, Eric continues. Eric's got another question here in the I Help Consulting mailbag. Rolling on. I know you've been pretty adamant that most of the issues on the offensive line have to do with protections and stuff being complicated. But if that's truly the case, shouldn't they improve as the season goes along and they get more comfortable? Believe it or not. They they do seem more comfortable. I mean, there's some breakdowns still, but they're not. You remember East Carolina? There was a play that half the line was pass blocking, half of it was run blocking. I mean, it, it, that bad, you know. But um, that's uh, the, the the improvement has been incremental, but it has it, it does look a little better. I mean, I, I I'd be dumb if I, I was sitting there saying. Ah, it sucks still. Or if it, if it was that bad, it's still not good enough. It's still baffling, but it, it has gotten a little better. So I know we only lost one starter from last year, but Clemson only lost two starters, and their offensive line is awful as well. Clemson's can be kind of traced to recruiting. If you go back and look at their 2019 class, I think they were one for four, and one of those guys is hurt on the offensive line. Um. So, in other words, their younger guys, I think, are probably not quite ready, and their older guys are probably not all that good. I still think the complicated protections are part of it, but maybe losing Hutcherson coaching and other factors, like defenses not being as good as last year, are a bigger part of it than we thought. I asked Tony in his questions thread, and he said it's one of the hardest parts to understand for him. I mean, we were seven games in. They should be starting to grasp the concepts better, if that really is the issue. Just curious what your thoughts are. I think uh, – I still think they're confused. I mean, these guys and, – and I think they're probably playing frustrated and tight and worried about not making a mistake because, you know, when you're an offensive lineman, you don't really hear your name called until you make a big mistake. And so I think all that snowballs and stuff. But I, I will say, you know, you compare it to the ECU game, and they're they're not doing the egregiously – things you don't really even see in college football that often. So I do think there's been some improvement, but I still think I would continue to simplify even more and see what happens. 
Jared says it was a struggle, but a win. I've been critical all year about the play calling. I've questioned our ability to run the ball and score points in dire times of the game. Saturday proved he could call the right plays for the situation. Yeah, I don't know. I think early, it was not pretty at all, and the offense struggled in a comeback win against Manny. I still believe Satterfield's to blame for the lack of production on offense. I don't want to get false hope about the offense based on the last drive because it's still Vanderbilt. And also, Vandy was in a prevent defense and did not rush the passer. Zeb has been announced for the starter for the AM game, even if Doty comes back later in the year and 100%. Doty's not coming back, by the way. He's going to, the surgery's going to end the season for him. Do you think he takes back the starting job or is it Zeb the rest of the way? I think Zeb the rest of the way, man. If not, Jason Brown, Colton Gothier. Glad we ended up beating Bandy. Don't think my dad or me could have taken that loss. Yeah, that would have been a tough one. Thanks for your contribution to Gamecock Nation every week. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate that. Yeah, so I don't know. Cartwright. Hey, JC, I keep seeing all these things on renovation, so they're not fixing the speakers. Those seem to be the biggest issue right now. The speakers literally blew during the Vandy game and were quiet for most of it. I thought I heard they were replacing those. But I'll see it included in the renovations. I'll have to check on that. Um, the sound system, it, I know it's been discussed. Uh, I'd probably just get a new one. And as far as the game goes, I I don't know, like contractually, like if, if it's, you know, the people with the broadcast, I, I don't know who really actually runs the whole setup on game day. But I'd look into that too. Because I think it's a little disjointed. Uh, it could be a lot better. Of course, the speakers have a lot to do with that. But um, last I heard, that was, they were looking looking into it. So, Jeff says, JC, sorry. Had dogs all my life and had to put many down. It's hard for these four little-legged kids they worm your way into your heart, and our time with them is far too short. However, we are best blessed to have them in our lives. Dogs are truly man's best friend throughout history. They protected us, helped gather food, worked for us, even provided transportation. But the biggest contribution is being our companions. Best wishes, sincerely, Jeff. Thank you so much, and I agree. Tristan says, sorry to hear about your dog. That's tough. I've been through that. Uh, would you appreciate it if our coaches would come out and say we're about to get our butts kicked? When asked what they expected doing as TNF, I know they're trying to stay positive, but they know we ain't moving the ball against those guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't think any coach should come out and say anything like that before any game. I know you got to keep, uh, got to keep it positive, and that's just what Shane Beamer is going to do. And you know, if it annoys some of you guys, uh, I get. I'm not saying you're annoyed, Tristan, because obviously that was a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, but. Uh, you know, I, I, I get it. And, and look, I'll say this, too, about Marcus Satterfield. Congratulations for facing the music and answering questions. And, you know, I thought his answers in the press conference this week were solid. You know, still not – I don't know. You know. Like I said, the media stuff, I think that, you know, again, I don't put a lot of stock into what these guys say in the media, but owning up to it and saying – you know, you relish expectations and all that good stuff is fine. Uh, I think, I, you know, it, it's uh, it's just one of those things. But, you know, credit him for sticking to it. 
and uh, giving people answers. All right. All the time we have today. I hope you guys enjoyed this bounce back episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, please be sure to check out Prediction Friday tomorrow as I'll predict the Texas A&M Carolina game. I'll answer more of your mailbag questions. Again, tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. The iHelp Consulting Mailbag is always awesome. Also, uh, our predictions episode tomorrow will be brought to you by Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Bank, Caldwell Banker Kane. Uh, please, 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 uh, if you need real estate services and you're in the upstate of South Carolina, my hometown of Spartanburg, Cindy will take care of you. 864 414 5271. The Gamecock score prediction episodes are proudly presented by Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Baker, Kane, Spartanburg, 864-414-5271. All righty. Long, long episode today. Uh, catching up on everything. So hope uh, hope you guys are enjoying this. Hope you enjoyed it. We're doing well. And we will see what happens uh, with the prediction episode tomorrow. And also what happens to the Gamecocks this weekend. Carolina needs to beat these guys at some point. I don't have a lot of faith in it. I probably am not going to pick the Gamecocks. I'll tell you that right now. But, you know, it's the permanent opponent. and You're seven years into this arrangement. So, if I'm Carolina – and it's going to change when Texas and Oklahoma come in the league, obviously. But, uh, man, Gamecocks have have struggled against this bunch and – you know, just looking at A&M, you know, the win over Alabama obviously is gigantic for that program. Uh, and then, you know, they, they got off to a good start against Missouri last week. It really wasn't a game up in Columbia, Missouri. So we'll talk about it uh, tomorrow. All right, folks, hope you enjoyed it. Holla at you soon. J.C. Sherbert signing off.